0: Do you aspire to be a woman who stands in her power, unapologetic for her
1: success, and unwilling to compromise on her standards, values, and goals? Welcome, this is the Pretty Powerful Podcast, where Angela Gennari speaks with extraordinary women who are breaking barriers, shattering glass ceilings, dominating their sports, and
0: rising to the top of their industry. It's time to step into your power.
1: Hi, this is Angela Gennari with the Pretty Powerful Podcast, and I am sitting here with Teresa Rivero, who is a friend of mine and also an extremely impressive woman that I am very, very grateful um, that you've taken the time to be here. I know you're extremely busy, and you uh, you tend to travel a lot, so I know that your time is valuable, so thank you. So I'm going to read a little bit about Teresa so that everybody knows um, who I am talking to today. So Teresa Rivero is a senior program officer at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation on the K-12 education team. She has worked with a variety of organizations across the Southeast, including state education agencies, school districts, and education nonprofit groups. In her current role, Teresa partners with organizations to build networks for school improvement focused on advancing student outcomes for Black, Latino, and low-income students. Teresa has dedicated her career to working with organizations focused on improving the lives of the most vulnerable communities. This includes serving as the grant officer for the Robert W. Woodruff Foundation, Director of Education at the Latin American Association, Program Director at the Whiteford School-based Health Clinic, and as a volunteer with the Peace Corps in Honduras. Teresa sits on the Board of Trustees and is a member of the Executive Committee at her alma mater, Emory University, where she earned a bachelor's degree in finance and a master's in public health. Additionally, she also holds a master's in business administration from Georgia State University. Teresa also serves on the Learn for Life Board and Leadership Atlanta Board of Directors. Teresa lives in Atlanta with her partner and three-legged rescue dog who also has his own Instagram and is a part-time office assistant. On the weekend, she enjoys playing tennis, hiking, and riding in her scooter to weekend festivals. So thank you, Teresa. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm already blushing
0: and uncomfortable in my skin.
1: I understand. I'm still getting through this. I'm terrified of public speaking, so this is okay. (laughs) You're doing great. So uh, I wanted to just kind of start. You have a pretty heavy responsibility with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation you you are in charge of what is it 200 million dollars or something like that of grants that you you have to figure out where is the best source and where where are they going to you know have the most impact in the community so tell me a little bit about that.
0: Yeah. Um, Well, Angela, I'm just so, I think the best way to say it is just so humbled by being here with you. Well, thank um, you. And just everything uh, you do and uh, what you stand for. So the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, um, I've got to say, it is pretty crazy to think about being a professional staff member for a foundation. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I've been in that space um, for a number of years now, but it's not my money. Right. It's uh, other people's money that made that. And I'm entrusted with looking for the best and most aligned opportunities and communities around improving outcomes for in K-12 education.
1: And I love this because I, you know, I read in your, in your bio and, and some of your background that education has always been a huge part of your life growing up and that your family was very focused on your education. And so tell me a little bit about where that comes from. And I know that your parents had immigrated here from Cuba. Yeah. So tell me about their journey and why education became such a focus um, of your life. Sure.
0: Um, and I don't know how, like, this could take all day, no, you've uh, got no. time. Uh, no, no, not not a <laughs> journey. So you're right. Um, education has been um, a pillar of just everything uh, in my life from my my family's influence. So I'll start where where it comes from. So my my family had to leave Cuba. They were actually exiled from Cuba. Wow. And I'll share a little bit why. And they sure. they left in the middle of the night and just had to start over in this country. And how terrifying. Yeah. So in 1959, um, you know, when, when they left with nothing making Mm -hmm. it this way, Mm -hmm. what they just banked on is, Hey, we're going to pull ourselves back up and we're going to focus on our children's education. So that was a mantra, Mm -hmm. like every second of every moment. It felt like growing up. Wow. Um, but the story of that is my dad's dad, so my paternal grandfather, was the last president-elect of Cuba. Wow. And he was a, you know, wasn't was educated and at the age of 13. Mm. He, his father uh, passed away. Wow. And at yeah. that time, he mm. was taking care of the farm. His brother was old enough, and he just went to Havana to say, I want to get an education. Wow. And from that point on, he made it through law school at the age of 22. Wow. Incredible. Uh, and then just essentially moved from being a journalist to getting involved in politics from his own experience and became wow. Minister of Education of Cuba. Wow. And so to make a 60 year story very short, he. Um, when the revolution was happening in the mid to late 50s, mm-hmm. uh, the dictator at the time uh, said, I'm going to hold free elections. My grandfather was one of 10 or 12 candidates and won the election. Wow. However, uh, Castro and Che uh, Guevara were taking hold and the revolution actually beat out any elections wow. that were held. So when the revolutionaries hit Havana, Chris, uh, it was New Year's Eve, nineteen fifty-eight, going to fifty-nine. My family literally had to leave that night from the the presidential palace. He, it was, there was a party going on because wow. uh, the dictator was leaving. Others were leaving the country, and a plane was left behind. Uh, wow. Folks went to Santo Domingo, and my family tried to get into the. To the U.S., mm-hmm. um, but were denied uh, coming in at the at the time because wow. we were supporting the revolution. Um, so uh, we finally made it to the states with nothing, and wow. um, the stories. You know,
1: here I am. But, wow, yeah. that's incredible! And your parents, who you know, obviously had a lot to lose, you know, going out of, you know, leaving Cuba, and, you know, they had to start all over with nothing. Yeah. And so the one thing that they, I'm sure, instilled on in you is education, because nobody can ever take that from you, no matter what, right?
0: Yeah, my mom, uh, growing up, would say, and both parents, actually, would just say, and education's everything, but you're going to work hard and mm-hmm. get involved. Like, she would literally, I could say it in Spanish, but she would, that, that phrase, like yeah. get involved in anything you do. And say it and in she Spanish. Would say, well, yeah. the, the follow-up to it is she would say, forget lo que hacen los americanos. Um, she's like, get involved, work hard, study, because it's what the Americans do. Yeah. And it took me, <laughs> it took me decades mm-hmm. to realize I was born in this country. I just happened to have... Grown up in that Cuban community, of right,
1: family. right, so, right, and and I am sure that's such a strong community because yeah. you have people who are in the same situation where they have all left to start a better life in America, and you know here they are, you know, with their children. That's yeah. that's their legacy, right? That's so right. it's you know you you have to carry on something that you know they they gave up everything to give their opportunities to their children, yeah, and so that that's an incredible way to start and how nice to honor that because you're not the only successful when your brothers are both successful as well so i mean i'm sure they must be extremely proud
0: yeah they're super smart and successful i just yeah. work really hard yeah uh, yeah so, well yeah.
1: and i love it because you know I, I was listening to one of your stories that i saw when you were giving a presentation to it's the um Latin American. Latin American Association. Yes. Yep. And you were talking about how your parents always instilled in you to take every opportunity and to never let up, op- and the, it wasn't easy for you. You know, you had a lot of opportunities that were not presented to you, but you saw the opportunity and you went after it. You were proactive in in making sure that opportunity was for you, even if it wasn't initially presented that way. And so tell me about some of the opportunities that you have taken that probably wouldn't have gotten you to where you are had you said, you know, I should, I should just, you know, let that go.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and when I, when I think about your lead up to that, one thing I'll say, and I'll get to the opportunity is um, there's two ways to think about those, right? Is yeah. Because you have the, the book intelligence, right, and smarts, and yeah. you can pave your way that way or you have the kind of street smarts and right. some people have both right, right. Uh, i come from a very intellectual family uh, right. and that didn't stick as much but it was the knowing how to navigate and the street smarts yeah and i would say the the opportunities were never super clear uh right. i just followed what i just knew i wanted to do the and i'll say I was never the fastest or like the strongest in mm-hmm. achieving things, but what it was is just persistence and staying yeah. at it. So what some of what my friends will tell me um, is I just sneak up on people. <laughs> and then, I love that. Right.
1: And I right. learn enough yeah. to
0: then understand mm-hmm. this is how I can navigate. Yeah. And I use that kind of street smarts to think about making an impact.
1: Well, and I think one of the things that I, I consider when I think of women who are making their way is tenacity, because I feel like nobody has more tenacity than a woman who is determined. And so that tenacity is everything because you you constantly strive and it's very rare that opportunities are clear, right? And so um, I know so many times I've heard people say, well, you know, I would have done it, but I just wasn't sure. And, you know, I was hesitant because it wasn't really the right timing or the right, you know, opportunity. And and sometimes you have to just leap, even if it doesn't seem quite right, right. because you don't know. You yeah. don't know what that's going to lead to and you don't know the path or the, the, sh- the roads that are going open as a result of at least yeah. walking you know yeah. and moving forward
0: um you know that from building right. businesses right and right that's for sure I, there's a it's like walk your path right, right? and that path isn't going to necessarily be uh super clear
1: always um, and yeah it,
0: it's just that you know one thing i'll say about kind of in growing up in miami is there were there's a couple significant things one I, I spoke Spanish until I was five. Yeah. So, and yeah, my brothers would come home. They're both older, and yeah. we would speak uh, some. But my first language until then was Spanish. And then when I got into elementary school, it was English during the day. But when I got home, it was Spanish. Mm-hmm. And so it was two languages, two cultures. Uh, one foot in the the US, <laughs> one foot in the little in little Havana in Miami, uh-huh, right? right. And it was navigating that, so yeah. just understanding that the other was my parents were looking for the best education in the public school system they could get. They didn't know what that meant, but they knew that they would try to get into neighborhoods yeah. that had that, and as a result, we moved quite a. A bit, yeah. So I went, I went to like ten different schools in twelve years. Wow! Um, and there's no better way mm. to one hide, right? <laughs> or, and two, learn how to just assess situations yeah. and new environments right Mm -hmm. away and know how to navigate figure out okay this is the these are the rules of the game right right figure that out the downside to that angela is and i don't talk a bunch about this but is i i had a learning disability I'm dyslexic that Mm. wasn't diagnosed yeah until i got to to college where an english professor was like why are you working so hard and essentially what he's saying is and this is what it's producing
1: right 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 because <laughs> <laughs> right, right. you would
0: see it and it, i yeah, you know right. i couldn't i couldn't string in a i could because i worked really hard but it right. was the product wasn't like didn't match the effort the input
1: didn't match the output right so nobody discovered this while you were in school, in elementary, and middle school. we went to so
0: many different schools. So oh, if you think what happened, so I
1: see. Yeah. Okay. So you, we you moved, yeah. Or
0: I we moved. Not that we, or well, when we moved, I was in one school, and then we'd get redistricted, and I went yeah. to another school. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. Know, so I I had that. Yeah. So
1: they couldn't catch up with it. They couldn't. They didn't have enough time.
0: Was he? Yeah. I. Yeah. I think that's
1: that's. Well, that's right. interesting. So then, all the way through school, you know, your parents are moving you from school to school to give you better opportunities, and yet there's this big thing that's happening, underlying issue that you didn't know about until yeah. until you got to college, and somebody figured that out. That's amazing. Yeah. And and,
0: and the other piece about that is I. I am super close with my brother, yeah. uh, my brothers Andres and Carlos. And they are the smartest and achieving folks and right. really can love to read, love to debate, love to do mm. uh, amazing writers. My, our parents never compared us to each other, mm. but they they flew through. Right. <laughs> everything, right? Right, and right. And we're in the, there were honors programs and it would, yeah. Uh, I snuck in because the only time I went to school, uh, the same school was my high school and my brother Carlos had gone there. He graduated before I got there, but he, okay. I kind of wrote his coattails
1: mm-hmm. on, Yep.
0: hey, she'll be in these classes. Right, right. Right? So it was just hard work.
1: Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. So, I know that when you left Miami, there was this idea that maybe maybe a girl shouldn't go that far from. Oh yeah, from Miami, right? Like you you were the baby and you know you were the girl and you should stay close, right? And so how did you get that courage to go to Atlanta versus stay yeah. in Miami?
0: I was uh, <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. I was fortunate because both my brothers they paid the path to going outside of Miami, so they went up to schools in the Northeast, and we got to my parents and I visited them uh, at different points, and it just kind of opened up that that door. Yeah, Uh, I didn't. I didn't apply to any school that was in Miami. My parents were uh-huh. somewhat, they were open to it. It was yeah. the rest of the family. Right. The okay. grandfather I talked about right. literally <laughs> sat down my dad and said, should a girl go this far away? Wow. Um, wow. But I, uh, yeah. The, I think the bigger thing was I never thought about going back to Miami right after college, and that was actually a bigger deal for my parents. They oh. pushed really hard to come back to Miami.
1: Wow, to that's, live. Yeah, and your brothers live in Miami now.
0: One does. Okay. My oldest and the others in New York.
1: Wow. Well, that's that's awesome. So I think it's great that you came here and you built your own way. And uh, that takes a lot of courage, especially coming from a family that is so tight knit. And, you know, obviously you have a community there and you have family there. And that's, that's wonderful.
0: I have 35 cousins and my wow. first cousins in Miami <laughs>
1: and all those cousins have kids. so oh my gosh. And they're all in Miami. So it's a massive. Family. Yes. Yeah. So I'm sure family functions are interesting. <laughs> big, big, big. Being around your family, does that impact? You know your your heritage, your your family. Does that impact how you work? Do you think? Do you think that impacts how your drive, your communication styles? Like, how does yeah. how does coming from a tight knit Cuban, you know, Latina Latino family, how does that impact everything else that you're doing?
0: Yeah, there is um, there's a lot of debate. Yeah, a debate of you know, issues and ideas, the volume gets really loud. right <laughs> um, Gretchen, my partner, um, yeah. often will say, why are you all yelling? And we're never yelling at each other, right? We just are um,
1: passionate.
0: Passionate, right. right? So it's that. I think one thing about culture, and I thought about this before when you made the really thoughtful, you know, invitation to come here is, what what about my culture and the way I grew up even mm-hmm. uh, enables whatever success means. I think it's connection right. to um, feeling like I can, for me, I can engage and make a difference in my community. Right. Or that I'm a good person and moving through my days. Absolutely. You know, not doing harm to a lot of right. people. Right. <laughs> but um, culture is really Interesting um, Mm -hmm. because when I think of the Latino culture, it's magnified to me the roles of women, right? uh, You know, and what a woman's place is, right? Um, Having kids Mm -hmm. or you know, creating a house, taking care of a husband. And that's very stereotypical, I realize, but I'm also thinking about the generation that I grew up in and my parents' generation. That was very strong in growing up. Yeah. What women do and what women don't do.
1: Right. And, you know, here you are leading this, you know, you're leading funds for, you know, some of the largest uh, foundations in the world. You know, you you work with one of the richest men in the entire world. And, you know, you have a huge responsibility and you are entrusted with something that, you know, most people can't even fathom the amount of money. But you are, um, you know, one of the things I think is so impressive is, You've got like governors and politicians on speed dial on your phone, and you know they're coming to you <laughs> wanting favors, not the other way around. You know they're saying, "Hey, how can we impress Teresa to to get her to, you know, invest in our programs?" So where do you find in all of your your education? You have you know, this incredible background and responsibility with your career. Where do you feel like the biggest gap is in funding? What do you seek out like where where do you feel like money is well put in yeah. in, in education? Yeah that's boy that
0: that is a, a tough question um, so the work that we do so I'm, I'm gonna bound that a little bit in how we fund and that's the question you're asking is bigger than that yeah so we're really working within systems and thinking about how systems, when I say systems, either school systems, right, Mm -hmm. school system like Atlanta public schools, or it could be a state that has a bunch of school districts. Right. Are trying to improve their outcomes for um, students where the systems have failed them. Right. Okay. So the, there are big education gaps in our country and, Folks will have a lot of lot to say about why those exist, right? Uh, so um, we can put that aside. A That's wrap. a whole
1: other. That's episode. a whole other episode.
0: <laughs> really,
1: to debate right. that, um, right?
0: But I think that some of the most powerful investments I've had a part to do. I could talk about oh, the investment that supported this really cool infrastructure that helped professionals you know, have real time information or right. how it developed all these measures for something or contributed to the research. But the most powerful investments are where it elevates students and families' voices yeah. to say this is what matters to us in our education. Hey, all yeah. you policymakers, hey, all you people <sighs> that run systems, mm-hmm. listen to what actually works for us. Yeah. Because we know. Yeah. And don't look for the f- a fancy way of saying it and all the jargon,
1: Mm -hmm. but
0: this is what we need today. So how to elevate voices and bring them, bring those, create space. It's not that those voices don't want to be part of the conversation, but create space for that. That I love that. Most powerful investments.
1: Well, and I think that when you when you start giving people a voice who have previously not had when you discover major gaps in, you know, why is our system failing? Because everybody can look at our education system and say, there are broken pieces. There's a lot right. of good, but there's a lot of broken pieces. And how do we bring those together? And you can't do that from a high level. You can't be, you know, 10 feet up looking down and saying, well, I think it's because this, this and this, because only the people who are there know. Yeah. And so getting to meet people where they are, I think is a big part of that.
0: That's so so big. We it's so easy to intellectualize yeah. how do you fix, right, which right. public education and look at the people that yeah. we're trying that the systems are trying to serve. Right. Say they're those they're the problems, which really it isn't the case. Right.
1: Right. right. Um,
0: so you know, speaking of voice, um, I've been thinking a lot about that since seeing some of your, you know, just things to think about before the bot podcast. Right, right. Um, And when I think of finding voice, yeah. I really think of looking at, you know, where have we seen in society women that use their voices to, to mm-hmm. make a difference? And um, one of the things... That recently, I'm so excited to see in philanthropy is people like is women are women like Mackenzie Scott, yeah, or Melinda Gates, right? right who now, because of circumstances and <laughs> right. forces, right, now <laughs> right, right. have their own major um,
1: efforts, yeah.
0: And a redefining.
1: Yeah, that's how philanthropy
0: been, is that
1: different. I love that. I've been watching that as well. And I think, you know, when you are, when you have a powerful husband, right, and he's leading the effort, and that's the name everybody knows, that's the household name. And you're just kind of the, you know, you're the wife, you're, you're just the one who, who is the almost an accessory And now you have your own power and you are stepping into that power and you have your own voice. And the things that are changing are significant and impactful. I'm so excited about that, too. I've I've been watching and I have been like, you know, cheering them on.
0: Redefining how to share power. Yeah. Regardless of I can be the most thoughtful, most community driven. Yes. You know, come from a community but a role in a professional role in philanthropy or the type of roles that a billionaire may take.
1: Absolutely is,
0: is power, right? Yes And these not just these two women, there are others. those are the ones that come to mind right now are redefining how to start to distribute how it looks
1: different. Yeah. Wow, that and I think that right? it's going to be a bigger impact because I think women by nature, we are nurturers, right? We we want to take care of, we don't want to take care of a system. We want to take care of a community, yeah. right? So I think that that's going to be more impactful. I think you're going to see it reach the people who need it more now that, you know, we have women in charge of where those funds are going. Yep. And uh, so I'm super excited about that because I, I feel the same way. And um those voices that, you know, you were referring to, I think, you know, when you give a woman a voice who has been, Quiet for so long and suddenly, you know, women, women watch, we tend to watch, we tend to observe, we're going to sit back, we're, we're, we're making notes, but we don't always have a voice to, to express how we feel about something. And once that voice is heard, now you have what has been built up over so long. And, you know, we, we look at how to fix an entire you know, generation, how to leave a legacy, how to make sure that, you know, this isn't just for this one thing, you know, we're not, we're not funding this one project, we're funding this project that can lead to, you know, a bigger, a bigger community effort. So...
0: You're spot on. Yeah, excited. You must be working at our shop. (laughs) That's right. I I am
1: observing. (laughs) So no, but it's, it's amazing. And, um, so I'm, I'm excited for that. So you have been doing a ton of really cool speaking engagements. You were a commencement speaker for Emory. You have done, um, which which is one of the most prestigious, I mean, universities in the southeast. And so, I mean, what was that like? Yeah.
0: So you may know. So it was was part of Emory. So Oxford College. Yeah. Yeah. So I got to um, I guess it was 2017. Yeah. uh, Doug Hicks, who's the dean there invite called me up and invited me and literally said, listen, Oprah turned us down, but you were our second option. <laughs> like, I love it. I love um, it. It was um it was cool and yes. stepping on the stage. My my parents came, my brothers oh my came, gosh. you know, a couple of my best friends were were there, but the graduates were right up front. And yeah. I had that moment. Uh, it was a windy day and I I had that moment of like I have nothing to you know yeah. these graduates, you know to to offer right right right
1: uh, that but I leaned moment. into
0: it that terrified moment yeah. I leaned yeah. into it and it was, um, it was fun because I had really focused on the message mm-hmm. you know just really getting clear cool on what I felt like I could authentically share and it was about finding you know, you've got this privilege. You're graduating from this institution.
1: Right. The whole world is at your hands. The whole
0: world is at your hands. And, you know, so many people want this opportunity and don't have it Mm -hmm. because of my circumstances. So you have the responsibility to find how to use your voice and have an impact. I love it. So I did it through also some storytelling.
1: Right, right. Um, And I think that's more impactful, right? So um, I was talking to somebody last night and, and, uh, was explaining that I could learn everything in a book And, you know, because we were talking about the value of an MBA, I said, I think an MBA can be extremely valuable. And um, but as an entrepreneur, I've I've owned three companies over 20 years. Um, I just have an undergraduate degree. I never got an MBA. But there have been a few times where I'm like, I really need to get this MBA. And so I'd go back and I would start doing some online courses. And I'd sit there and say, yeah, I already know that. Yep, I learned that the hard way. Yep, I also learned that the hard way. So there's value in having that structure of, you know, this is how you should do it, this is the guideline you should use. But there's also value in making those mistakes. Because when you have real money on the line, (laughs) and you lose real money, that that stays with you. (laughs) And so, you know, I think there's such something to be said for, um, you know, how much we, we put into education, but also how much we put into experience because you have an incredible amount of education behind you, but some of the things that you're doing in your career, I'm sure have had just such a major impact. And had you not had the education, you wouldn't have had the opportunities, but that life learning that, that real, you know, life learning that you're getting when you actually give a grant to somebody and when you actually, you know, put funds somewhere or you speak to students, that's coming from life experience. That that is coming from your life experience, your family history, your career, you know that is where that comes from. And while the education offers gives you the opportunities, the life experience gives you the stories yeah. that I think are are really impacting people.
0: Yeah, I, I love it. that. That's exactly right. And you know, it's it's funny. You can look at the education. I was yeah. going to be my brothers. You know, they paved the way, and that opened right. up. My, my oldest brother opened up, college is as as possible for us. because We had yeah. no money. We didn't, the three of us, we didn't know we were poor until we got to college. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we, we qualified for full financial aid wow, and got work good. study and other yeah. need-based grants, right? But that's where that came in. My my parents understood. They had gone to college in Cuba, but yeah. they couldn't prove they had it. So they actually went to college back in the US wow. okay. uh, s- to have the degree. So they it it mattered because they believed in education. Yeah. But I've got to say, once I graduated undergrad, the last person who was going to go to get any graduate work was was me. I worked in really? Chicago. <laughs> because it was so as much as I valued it, it was I, I was like, get my hands Yeah, dirty. I'm
1: hungry for experience. Yeah. And
0: right. I, I'm the learner that has to hear things. Right. And, you know, reading, uh, I don't learn from the book. I would never right. missed a lecture. I would always Absolutely. go on, you know, yeah. sit in the front seat. I would yep. stay after to ask questions just because it's how I learned. Mm-hmm. But where I got my best education was in the Peace Corps. Oh, wow. That's yeah. amazing. It was... I. I worked in Chicago for a couple of years and then went yeah. to the Peace Corps. I applied in college, and my parents were like, this is the culture. Like, uh-uh, you're not doing that.
1: Can <laughs> you really, leave our no, country ma'am. <laughs>
0: for you to go to Central America? I'm like, and it took me a couple of years in Chicago to realize, wait, this is my life.
1: <laughs> so right.
0: I kept the application. Yeah. Um, but Angela, it's talking about women and mm-hmm. really powerful women, In the peace corps, I was assigned to rural Honduras because I was a native Spanish speaker. So it was way out there. There was nothing. Yeah, right. No running water, no lights. Uh, (sighs) I lived in a village in an adobe hut. They'd never had a Peace Corps volunteer, but the agency wow. I was assigned to, La Organización para el Desarrollo de Empresa, Empresa Femenina, the development for women in business mm-hmm. was funded by the Swiss government. These micro loans in the late eighties were oh just for men, men wow. and farmers. These were grass these were really small little businesses, mm-hmm. but the lo- and the loans were maybe a hundred, hundred and fifty dollars, which is yeah. still a lot. Right. Especially in that community. right? So there were, and it was for women who had some existing little business. Mm-hmm. They might have been selling a market out of their house. They might have been yeah. fattening up pigs to yeah. resell or butcher. Mm-hmm. Or they may have had a business I had to work with. I'd do some training in groups, and then the women were eligible for loans. And I would follow up with all the techn- technical assistance and make sure they stayed on track and showed yeah. things like accounting. These women were just, I, just rock stars. Wow! With about, I was close to a hundred over my two and a half years in the Peace Corps. Wow! And not just going against societal norms and having a business, right? But they became like they were the rocks of their communities. Absolutely, they would get things done. They would have to push against, you know the. Others in the community that said women shouldn't do that. Yeah. Just were so proud to have these loans. And when they paid it off, Mm -hmm. they were, the sense of accomplishment and they could was so empowering.
1: Oh my God. I love that. They taught me everything. Right. 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 They
0: like, I remember, I'll tell you one other quick story. We would have these group meetings because there were a couple of community projects and there was no clocks anywhere. Yeah. There was no right yeah. We'd go by the sun. <laughs> right. But you would call a meeting, let's say it was like two o'clock on a Tuesday. Right, right. And I had my watch, my first six months in the Peace Corps. Right. And I go to the little house where the meeting's supposed to be at two o'clock. It's like four o'clock later and people were showing up. <laughs> I this is a two. Happened a few times. Yeah. And they'd look at me and like you know, there's more time than there is life so sometimes other things get in the way but we're here so when we're here let's use the time we have wow um I ditched the watch. (laughs) Yes. It wasn't going to work. And I just had a little, a couple of little kids in the village just tell me when people would start to gather to get me. Oh, I love it. I
1: love that. Well, and those are the opportunities where you realize, again, meeting people where they are, right? So if you went in there with your own rules and structure of how things needed to be, you would get frustrated. Instead, you meet people where they are and, and, everything changes right it like was, now all of a sudden you're making an impact that's right and and people are working together because you hear them you know you, right. you, you're you you're not just there to um you know to set structure you're there to be part of the community that's exactly so that you have big, to integrate into the community that was the
0: big learning for me yeah. you just captured it beautifully yeah. it Is not what the structure that yeah. you no know, i thought we have we said we were going to meet it's yeah Let's when we do, how is it we're gonna to work together and I love hear
1: each other? It yeah. was amazing. I love that. All right, so what inspires you or who inspires you?
0: Gosh, well those women inspired yes. me. There's not one big name. I just yeah, I'm really inspired by like the extremes that every day people just trying to do something in their communities mm-hmm. little as it may be, the you know volunteering to do this or the generosity to, yeah to you know that just people do have um then I'm just also just inspired by being outside and seeing the bigness yeah of our world absolutely right? you realize how of, yeah.
1: how little we are right, right. the more yes. you get into on a higher level whether it's nature whether it's you know uh hiking whether it's exploring traveling you realize How tiny are our little universes? So, um, you know, that we operate in and we think everything is so big and significant. And then you start traveling and you start seeing other cultures and you start seeing, you know, nature in its grand form. And you think, gosh, my little concerns at home, (laughs) my internet being down, that's not a big deal. (laughs) Uh, The gift of the the pandemic for me was
0: to, I mean, I've always gotten outside a bunch, uh, I walked all over the place but is to take those deep breaths and just look around and absolutely look, you know, how yeah amazing things are. it's
1: impactful so as women we give our power away a lot right so we tend to give our power away easily you know it's it's our family our career we give we give accolades to everybody we rarely step into our own power tell me about a time where you stepped into your power and what that meant to you
0: yeah um i think the most the the one that just sticks with me because it had to do with raising something at work had to do with money. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So it was about was, uh, I won't say where, but I realized inadvertently um, that I was being paid um significantly less probably about $30,000 than a male colleague that I adored and would pay you know it was worth every penny he was being paid what happened was we got these it was a while back we got these letters because our vacation time was being bought out okay and this colleague his name in the alphabet is right after mine. Somehow our HR department put both of our letters when you still sent letters right, yes. in the same envelope oh, Wow And okay. I opened it up mm-hmm. I mean I thought I'm reading the second I'm looking at the second page and I, I'm like, why is this the same thing and I realize I have somebody else's uh-huh. But why it was significant was it gave us our per hour of buyout. Wow. To buy out the vacation. Mm -hmm. Um, and I realized it was how much more. So I quickly did the math. Yeah. And I got, as you can imagine, really pissed off. Of course. Same experience, same Mm -hmm. education, same role. Wow. Promotions. And I, um, I had, The couple of folks I consulted that I really trusted were like, let's go sue, you have no reason. (laughs) I had to think about it and I I found I had to find what I needed to do. Yeah. And I went to uh, the person that led our division, uh, who happened to be a woman, um, and said, I put the letter back and sent it to HR. Right. I said, you made a mistake.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? Yeah.
0: <laughs> but then I went to the person that led our division and said, this has come to my attention. I would have never known. And right. And I chose to go that route. She was relatively new. Yeah. So it wasn't her doing, but she had the opportunity to do something about it. Right. And I right. didn't. I had a really great relationship with my immediate supervisor, mm-hmm. but I realized he was part of the challenge. Wow. Um, and I sat down and said, listen, I know this. Right. It's not my nature to make a, you know, I'm not going to make this big public deal, but how are we going to make this right? Yeah. She <laughs> That means she said, you're absolutely right. I didn't have the letter. Right. It was just my... right.'" Uh, but it was there, and uh, she said, "Give me. Can you give me ninety days? Because I'm, I need to know how to navigate this, and I will come back to you if not before." Okay. And within it was within a month. Uh, it, good. it wasn't just a equal. It was a significant, wow, up and retro, good. Uh, kind of from the time that yeah. it was pretty clear. The time, so yeah. that that felt that felt the right well, way and to I do
1: it. yeah, absolutely, and the way you handled it, I think was was right, right, because you know it's easy to go into a lawsuit situation, but it takes more courage to say I'm going to give you the opportunity to make this right, um, and I hope you do, and you know, and go that way. Because I think it saves your integrity. I think, I think people look at you in a different way and say, you know what? Um, she did this the right way. She, she really stepped into her power. We owe her this. This is, you know, and, and it still is shocking to me the inequity of pay when it comes to women and men, you know, in the same role. And, um, It's a challenge because I, you know, myself, I've worked for myself for most of my life. And so there are many, many years I never took a salary at all. But, you know, I I was looking at CEO salaries uh, a couple months ago and I just thought, wow, that's that's incredible because I pay myself like. Nothing, <laughs> Nothing. I'm sure So, yeah. you know, all the money goes right back into the company. Yeah. And, uh, but I look at what CEOs get paid and it's just incredible, especially when you look at the disparity between what a CEO gets and in the rest of the team. And it's, it's a little shocking. A friend of mine is a, uh, she works for a major company in Atlanta and was just saying that she, um, you know, they had had the largest bonuses that they had ever given out in 2021, But they have a consulting company that comes in and they want to eliminate a large part of their staff. And it happens to be mostly female. And so, you know, she's kind of going to she's looking at this as, you know, she's kind of in the later years of her career. Is this going to be something that she can come back from? And probably not. Yet they're justifying it after giving all of these major bonuses to the executives of the corporation. And it's it's just it feels so unfair um, because you're putting people in a situation where they may not be able to rebound financially. Yeah. So, um, it's tough, but good for you for standing in your power and going to them and saying, look, this is the right, right thing to do. I, you know, I'm letting you lead the way on this. Yeah. No, Um, it
0: was, uh, I also wrestled why it felt so terrifying. I have no doubt. I don't, this is going to be a gross overstatement, but uh, a male colleague just steps into it without, like, yeah, you know, without this is the thing to, to do. Right. Uh, way before, even in the the negotiations. Right. right? And as right. women, we're just. Either, we're afraid to
1: ask for what we yeah. deserve.
0: So it was a real moment of, you know what? I was so pissed off and I yeah. had to channel that energy yeah. to, it was, uh, um, channel that energy to figure out how I needed to, to do it. Yeah.
1: Well, and I think that, you know, when you have, um, men in the workforce, they're comfortable asking for what they want because they feel like they deserve it. Women have the opposite. We don't feel like we deserve it as well. You know, like we're, we're not as as determined yeah. to get something that we feel like we deserve because we serve everybody right so we're used to sharing accolades we're used to making sure everybody is okay and so for us it wouldn't be unusual to take a smaller salary to make sure everybody has something equal for a man it would not necessarily be that way and i'm not saying all men i'm not trying to generalize yeah. but you know generally when men um get a raise. They feel like they deserve that raise. Whereas a woman, we're like, wow, you know, I got to work extra hard. I got to do, I've got to do more now. <laughs> right? And that's, so, yep. you know, I think that that's our, that's our way of, you know, how we've always been grown how, how we've always nurtured others. So what advice would you give your 18 year old self?
0: Gosh, I think it's around, this is, it would be something around finding voice. Right. Um, and, uh, Knowing that's a developmental thing, but sure. To, to not—I never really have worried. Um, yeah. Like, hey, does my does my career path or the things I'm doing? Maybe, mm-hmm. Since I don't think I would have done them, but
1: right, right.
0: Uh, um, is that it's okay not to know what the next
1: thing yes. is? Um, yeah.
0: But in that journey, find ways to articulate. You know, to just know I stand for this and. Just yeah. to stay true and grow in that, right? And Absolutely. And find a, kind of a clear voice to let people know who, mm-hmm. you know, I, just to know who I was. Yeah. Have, I would have loved to have had that insight.
1: Absolutely. I love it. All right. So you can answer this question however you want. What do you wish people knew?
0: Uh, I am dogged. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I, sometimes I don't know why. Like, I, I work hard i play hard my yeah mm-hmm. uh, i know i know reasons why but i um, yeah. go by instinct yeah and if i just think something is just needs to be i will call i'll find you on team <laughs> zoom <laughs> right. you know just yeah, yeah. Uh, email you until um we, we talk about it. So it plays out a lot of work or yeah. on some of yeah. the community things yeah. I do. Um,
1: so just to be relentless.
0: Relentless. Uh, mm-hmm. um, and I just uh, – th- the other thing is it's just – I feel so fortunate to grow up the way I did because Absolutely. it has given me just a sense of um, – why I do things, a mm-hmm. sense of the while wow, um, I only have one set of experiences um, to be able just to put myself in someone yeah. else's shoes, even though I may not have walked their paths, has given has given me just some uh, empathy and absolutely compassion for for people that are trying really hard and just really mm-hmm. struggling to, yeah. to make to make their
1: way. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, I think we are as women, we, we see those people and, and, um, you know, while they're overlooked many, many times, I think as women, we see them and so we can do something about it. So awesome. Well, thank you so much, Teresa. I really appreciate you being here and I learned so much and I'm sure our listeners have as well. Well, So I really appreciate everything that you've done to be here and your journey. And I know it will impact a lot of people. So,
0: Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Pretty Powerful
1: Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll catch you in the next episode.